The scripture reading this morning is from Genesis chapter 22. Please turn there. After you have found Genesis chapter 22, please stand with me. Genesis 22, beginning in verse 1. And it came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham and said unto him, Abraham? And he said, Behold, here I am. And he said, Take now thy son, thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah, and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains, which I will tell thee of. And Abraham rose up early in the morning, and saddled his ass, and took two of his young men with him, and Isaac his son, and clave the wood for the burnt offering, and rose up and went unto the place of which God had told him. Then on the third day Abraham lifted up his eyes, and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said unto his young men, Abide ye here with the ass, and I and and the lad will go yonder and worship and come again to you. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it upon Isaac his son. And he took the fire in his hand and a knife. And they went both of them together. And Isaac spake unto Abraham his father, and said, My father? And he said, Here am I, my son. And he said, Behold the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? And Abraham said, My son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. So they went both of them together. And they came to the place which God had told him of. And Abraham built an altar there, and laid the wood in order, and bound Isaac his son, and laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched forth his hand, and took the knife to slay his son. And the angel of the Lord called unto him out of heaven, and said, Abraham, Abraham! And he said, Here am I. And he said, Lay not thy hand upon the lad, neither do thou anything unto him. For now I know that thou fearest God, seeing that thou hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him a ram caught in the thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the lamb, the ram, and offered him up for a burnt offering in the stead of his son. And Abraham called the name of that place Jehovah-Jireh, as it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord it shall be seen. We could please take our Bibles and turn to the book of Genesis, chapter 22. Though I'll make reference to the, this entire Narrative, the message is really just on the first two verses. As I continue this series on Abraham, surrendering to the unknown. This is really the climax of his surrender to the unknown. 
where, what if, when, how, why, all these questions in life, we have to surrender to God. So many unknown things. Please take your Bibles, Genesis 22. I'd like for us to read once again verses 1 and 2 as we begin this message on how God tests us. And it came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham and said unto him, Abraham. And he said, Behold, here I am. And he said, Take now thy son, thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah, and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains, which I will tell thee of. So here we see in this passage, God did tempt. And the word there is He put Abraham to the test. God is testing, proving Abraham. The Jewish people call this the Akedah. They get that word from the word bind that's found in verse 8. The binding of Isaac. So if if you have any Jewish friends, I want to give you an assignment right off the bat. How many of you have a Jewish friend on your job? Ask them if they know what the Akedah is. Maybe make a conversation. The Jewish people know this as the Akedah for the binding of Isaac when God did test Abraham. Let's pray. Now, Lord, we pray that You would take this time and help us to evaluate and think about our own lives. And as I speak from the outside, Lord God, You speak to the heart because we all have things that You want us to bind to the altar. And you test each of us in unique and individual ways, even as you tested Abraham. So, Lord, please use this time and help us to know that even through your testings, you love us and you carry us through. In Jesus' name, amen. So, a few weeks ago, when Debbie and I went down to North Carolina, uh, we saw a, a... a documentary about a rescue dog named Halo. It's a very beautiful story, a heartwarming story about this dog, Halo. Halo was the runt of ten little Dutch German shepherd dogs. But a fire captain named Cat Labrada of Miami-Dade County, Florida, She has one of the most elite search and rescue teams in America. She heard about this litter of Dutch shepherds and know that such dogs make excellent rescue animals. So she flew to Detroit and Kat met this little dog that was the runt of the litter. And she put them all to the test and it was Halo that passed what she was looking for in that Halo would not be distracted when Cat put certain tests to her. She would focus on what Cat was asking her to do. 
So Cat chose Halo. And they began to train together. A remarkable bond grew between them. They trained in various places in Texas and Georgia and Tennessee. Halo was being trained and tested. Her life was continually under the microscope of testing. Because her job is one of rescue, of saving lives. And such a task requires severe testing. Halo would save people from hurricanes and other disasters. The most challenging site where Halo was brought was right here in New York City in Staten Island. There's a testing facility called Disaster City. And it was here that Halo passed the ultimate test under the Federal Emergency Management Association's foundation skills, and she was certified as a rescue animal under the supervision of her owner, Cat. And so in that sense, so God is testing Abraham. Because through Abraham, God is going to bring the Messiah into the world who will save all who call upon Him. But Abraham had to go through many testings because God is going to use him, right, to bring forth the Messiah. Life is filled with testings for us as well because God wants to use us to rescue others. We're rescue animals, if you will, for the Lord in His service, in His church. And that's why God tests us. So this word where it says God did tempt Abraham. The word is test. Prove Abraham. And the word is used in Deuteronomy 8.2. Can you read that verse with me? It says, And thou shalt remember all the way which the Lord thy God led thee these forty years in the wilderness to humble thee and to prove thee and to know what was in thine heart, whether thou wouldst keep His commandments or no. There's the word. To humble thee and to what? Prove thee. You know, when I read that verse again, 40 years when I was young, when I was a young person, just saved for a few years, that sounded like a long period of time. But now it's like, oh God, that's what you've been doing in my life for 40 years too? I've been almost married 40 years. Marriage is a, is a test of our lives. And living the Christian life is a test. How many of you have been saved for 40 years? I was saved in 1978. 40 years. You've been tested for 40 years. God is humbling us to prove us, to see what is in our hearts so we would know ourselves. This word is also used in Judges chapter 2. God is telling the generation after Joshua why He's leaving the worldly people around them. You know, and so why does God save us and then put us in a worldly environment, if you will, and keep us there? To test us. To see what is in our heart. To prove us. So can you read this with me as well? He says, I also will not henceforth drive out from any from before them of the nations which Joshua left when he died, that through them I may prove Israel 
whether they will keep the way of the Lord to walk therein as their fathers did keep it or not. Therefore, the Lord left those nations without driving them out hastily. Neither delivered He them into the hand of Joshua. You know, I was going to speak this message two weeks ago. And I couldn't. And my, these last two weeks have been a lot of testing in my life. So I'm like, wow, Lord, I went through some testings I didn't even expect. And now I'm finally giving this message. After getting the COVID virus, and Debbie, of course, being sick with it, hopefully, you know, we see some improvements. We believe God is going to bring her through, but it's difficult. Of course, then her dad passed away. That's a major test when your father passes away. But I'm so thankful I was able to go up there a few weeks ago and basically say goodbye to Jack and thank him for bringing my wife into the world that I could be her husband and just share the gospel with him and that he could say, yes, I do believe in Christ. And then this past week, we went, I, I went downstairs, believe it or not, I'm still exercising a little bit, so I don't shrivel up to nothing here. But uh, I went down and I saw water on my basement floor again. I was like, oh no, the sewer line. I went over to the sewer line and it was backed up again. I won't run you through all the problems we've had with that, but I'm like, what is going on? So we called our sewer company and when he came, he said that when he put the snake in, it didn't do anything. It hit a, a mountain of sediment. And basically what he said is that storm we had a few months ago now, that big storm, that the, the, it, the water level went so high that a lot of the sediment from the city pipes went into the homeowner's sewer lines as well. And, that it, and so it completely backed it up. So he said, I could do a power flush, and if the line isn't collapsed, you should be okay, but I'm not sure. So I'm like, oh, great. I mean, if you don't have a sewer line, you can't live in the house. So I just went upstairs on my knees and prayed. I said, God, I can't leave my house right now with everything going on. And I prayed, and he he did the power flush, and thank God, at least that cleared out. Hallelujah for a sewer line. But tests, life is filled with tests, isn't it? We want our doctors and airplane pilots to be tested so that when we're under their care, they will take care of us and bring us through, whether the airplane or the medical problem we're having. And I want to say this today. God will test you to see what is in your heart. So you will know what is in your heart. God will test you. Because you as a Christian are on a rescue mission. So let's look at this today quickly. And here's the message in a sentence. Because life is a series of mountains to climb and tests to take. We must expect God's testing in our life. Don't expect anything different. 
Don't question His love. Don't question His power and sovereignty. He will test you, and He will test me. And He can take anything He wants. That's the story. God could put His hand on anything in our lives. And if He wants it, it's His. God will test us continually. It just simply says in the text, it came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham. After these things, Abraham's life has been a continual test. One series of tests after another. Each one preparing him for the next. God's tests almost always relate, watch this, to our future. Will you surrender your future to God with whatever He wants? Abraham had to leave the Ur of the Chaldees following God when he did not know where God was calling him. He did not know where he would end up, right? That was the first test, the test of where. I'm going to go through these quickly. If you're in your notes, you're taking notes. I believe there is a blank there. I'm on page 10. Then a second test, he entered battle to rescue Lot. Remember when Lot was kidnapped? And Lot went, uh, Abraham went out with his servants, not many, against the great, vicious armies. He did not know what if, or if he would survive. He didn't know, what if, what if I die in rescuing Lot? That could have happened. So it was the test of what if. I don't survive. What if? Then he had to wait on God's timing. God told him he was going to have a son. They had to wait for the child to be born. And he did not know what? When? He didn't know when Isaac would be born. Then God told him, no, it's not going to be your servant. It's not going to be Ishmael, your son, through your handmaid. Sarah is going to have a child. But he didn't know how Isaac could be born because they were so old. We know, we know that. We've gone through this. These are the tests. But now, after these things, it says it came to pass, after these things, and they all come before us, and now, basically, in this test, they're all wrapped up into one. Because now, Abraham still doesn't know where God's leading him. Go to a mountain, I'll show you where. He doesn't know if Isaac was going to survive. He doesn't know when, it was, when this was going to happen. He didn't know how God was going to bring him through. And he didn't know why. Why would God test me like this? This is a surrender to the ultimate unknown. Life is so unknown, isn't it? The second thing we see is that God tests us unexpected, unexpectedly. Now you can almost say here in this point, He tests us very individually as well. And that's true because it says God did tempt Abraham. But we'll see this. What God asked Abraham to do, 
He never asked anyone else to do anything like that. This is the only time anyone was ever told to take your child whom you love and offer him for a burnt offering. This never happened before. This is a very unexpected test, but a very individualized test. But the point I simply want to make here is that we are being told by Moses writing that Abraham is being tested by God. But do you think Abraham knows it? No. So what's the lesson there? Apply it to your life. Could God be testing you and you don't even know it? Yes. That's the point. This is like not just a pop quiz. God doesn't give just pop quizzes. He gives pop tests. Pop major tests. Pop big league tests. When, I mean, Abraham, at the end of chapter 21, he's living happily ever after. Remember he did the peace treaty with Abimelech? And he got the well so he could take care of his flocks. So Abraham has his wife. Hagar and Ishmael are gone. All of that conflict is out of his family right now. And now Isaac is growing. Basically, everything is going smoothly for Abraham. He was... He, the story's over. He has the baby. He has the wife. He's going to live happily ever after. And, you know, the little heart comes into the, into the show and it's, it's happily ever after time. But it's the biggest test of his life yet to come. Because God tests us purposefully. He said to Abraham, Abraham. And he said, Behold, here I am. God has a very specific purpose for Abraham to test him. Now, God tests us unexpectedly at times. And I'm sorry I meant to hit that. God tests us purposefully. God tests us to develop us. And here's the difference between God's testings and Satan's temptings. God tests us to develop us. Satan tempts us to destroy us. I'll say the first one, you say the second one. How about that? God tests us to make us. Satan tempts us to break us. God tests us to purify us. Satan tempts us to pollute us. God tests us to sanctify, purify our character. Satan tempts us to spoil our character. God tests us to, so that we would demonstrate our fear of Him. Satan tempts us to what? Forsake God. Now, here was the test. And if you go down in the passage to verse number 12, Genesis chapter 22, verse 12, he said, Lay not thine hand upon the lad, neither do thou anything unto him. For now I know that thou, what? Fearest God. Fearing God is loving God, knowing God, trusting God, 
and being in awe of who He is, of His mighty, sovereign love and power. And so, he's, that was the test for Abraham. That he would fear God. And that he would be able to live out and show that fear. That fear of God. And this same, the same word test and fear is used on Mount Sinai. The whole point of Israel, in fact, going through the wilderness. And Deuteronomy 8, we looked at that. God led them through the wilderness to prove them, to test them whether they would fear God. And Jesus Himself actually quoted that passage in Deuteronomy 8 when He was being tested Himself by Satan to, to, to test us, what are we going to live by? Man, we don't live by just bread alone, but by what? Every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And so remember, Moses was writing this to, to Israel when they were in the wilderness. They were being tested as Abraham was, as we all will be. So Moses said to the people, fear not, for God has come to prove you that His fear may be before your faces that you sin not. God tests us continually and unexpectedly and with a definite purpose in mind. But He tests us clearly. And all I want to say on this point is simply this. God clearly says, Abraham, he gets his attention. So this was a specific test to one man, one time in human history. So don't come to me and say, God, is, God told me to offer to throw my son in the river or something like that. Or my daughter in the river is going to test. No, 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 God's not going to test you like that. I want to say, the devil's lying to you. But this was a very incredible test. And it, but it was clearly a revelation of God to Abraham, is the point. God's tests come as a clear revelation of His will. Because God said, Take now thy son, thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, get thee to the land of Moriah, offer him there for a burnt offering, upon one of the mountains that I will tell thee of. So this test came as a clear revelation of God's Word and will. It was unquestionably a revelation from God. Amen? Does that make sense? So this is an incredible test. God is asking Abraham to sacrifice what Abraham couldn't replace. This was the son that God said, your seed is through Isaac. Through Isaac, your seed will be called. This was the one whom Abraham had waited so long to have. And now God is saying, offer him, sacrifice him as a burnt offering. And when you give a burnt offering, you don't give half. The whole thing is burned on the altar in a burnt offering. God is clearly asking him 
Abraham to sacrifice what was ultimately the Lord's. Who gave Isaac to Abraham? The Lord did. And so now, so God was saying, give him back to me. So God tests us clearly. He tests us purposefully, unexpectedly, continually, and heart-rendingly. And I just read verse 2. But basically, God tests what is nearest and dearest to Abraham. He, he doesn't take what Abraham doesn't love. God wants the nearest and dearest thing to Abraham's heart, his son. And with heart-rending precision, the Lord puts His finger right on Isaac. And there's no way Abraham could think, oh, he's talking about Ishmael. No, he's talking about Isaac. Because he even uses his name, take now thy son, thine only son. Now, Abraham had a other son. But this was the only son through whom the seed will come. Isaac. This was the son that Abraham had waited so long to have. This is the son through whom the world will be saved and rescued. And the curse of sin lifted. This was the whole salvation plan of God on the line. This is incredible. God puts it out on the line, doesn't He? Heart-rending precision. Your son, your only son, the one you love. So, God's test may seem to be out of His character. This doesn't seem to even be consistent with the nature and character of God for Him to ask such a thing. His testings may seem to undo His promises and what He has already done. Why would, why would God undo this promise that He has done for Abraham? He gave him the son after all that waiting. Now He wants to undo it. It doesn't make sense. God may even appear to be your enemy when He tests you. And that's why, remember when Satan even stood before God and said, if you take away everything from Job, He will curse you to the face. God may appear to be your enemy when He demands what you've waited so long to have. God's tests rend our heart. And then God tests us uniquely. When I say uniquely, the place is mentioned in the test. And it's very important that we make note of this right here in verse 2. Because, of course, this is a unique test in that God is desiring that Abraham offer Isaac. That's unique. But the place where the testing is to take place is unique. The place Moriah is used here. He says, get thee into the land of Moriah and offer him there for a burnt offering. So this test had to take place where? In the hills country of Moriah, it says. 
And now notice this and follow. I want and mark this in your Bible. Look at verse three. So Abraham rose up early in the morning. He took his two young men with him. We don't know who those two young men are. But in one commentary I had, I, I'm not saying this is true. I don't know. I just thought it was interesting. So I'll throw it out. One said the two young men could have been Ishmael. And what was the servant boy? That, uh, who was the, ser- the other servant? Eleazar. Yeah. Some. It's a po- who knows? It doesn't say who they are. But it said that maybe it was Eleazar. And Ishmael, those are the two that Abraham thought would be the promised son. But so, anyway, he took two servants with him. And then it says, at the end of verse 3, it says, And they rose up and went to the place which the Lord had told them. So notice the place. Verse 4, Then on the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw what? The place afar off. And now look, look in verse number 9. And they came to the place that God had told him of. And then, why was this place? Why did they have to go to this place? Look at verse number 13. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked. And behold, behind him a ram caught in a thicket by the horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered him up for a burnt offering in the stead of his son. And Abraham called the name of that place Jehovah Jireh. Why was that place so important? Because the only place where that substitute ram could be found, was on Moriah. Does it remind you of another place? We could look at many Scriptures, but just go to one. Luke 23, 33. Do you know, and of course there is a miraculous parallel between the offering, Abraham's offering, of Isaac to the father giving his son. And just like Abraham had to go to a specific place, to Moriah, Jesus Himself went to a specific place. In verse 33, of Luke 23:33 Luke 23:33 and when they were come to the place which is called Calvary there they crucified him this test of Abraham offering up his son is so unique in the bible there are many scriptures that we see how the sacrifice of Jesus is referenced in type, as it is here. But this test is the test from the heart of God and what it meant for the heart of God to offer His Son. Abraham having the heart of God in offering His Son. Of the Father giving His Son. Abraham had to go to the right place to have the perfect provision the ram, the lamb, 
for Isaac. Now, Moriah is only used in one other place in the Bible. And I'm going to try to find that place. If you go to 2 Chronicles, and it's worth for us to turn there, 2 Chronicles chapter 3, 2 Chronicles chapter 3, look at verse 1. Moriah is only mentioned by name in one other place. But this was the piece of land that David bought. Remember when David numbered the army and a death angel came and started to destroy many. And in order for David to stop the death angel, the the hand of God from bringing destruction upon his land, he bought a threshing floor from a man named Aruna. He bought that threshing floor, offered a sacrifice of an animal there. So this happened after Abraham offered his son. David bought this same place later on to stop death and to bring deliverance. And in 2 Chronicles chapter 3, this place is mentioned. And it's amazing, it's not referenced as a place to make us remember Abraham offering Isaac, but of David buying the threshing floor. So, look at 2 Chronicles chapter 3, verse 1. It says, Then Solomon began to build the house of the Lord at Jerusalem in Mount Moriah, where the Lord appeared unto David his father, in the place that David had prepared in the threshing floor of Ornan, the Jebusite. So that's the only other time that Moriah is mentioned in the Bible. In other words, this was the place where Solomon built the temple. Where the sacrifices were offered for the nation over and over again. And it was the same place where Abraham offers up his son Isaac. And where God provided a ram in its place and its stead. And so God is showing His people Israel in the wilderness, there will be a sacrifice for your sins ultimately. Jesus Christ, who will go to a place called Mount Calvary to die for your sins. Moriah, by the way, means, and I I couldn't really find a specific name, but what does Moriah mean? There's, There's actually different ideas. Some believe, though, that it has to do with vision, of seeing. And it could mean the Lord sees. It could mean the land of vision. Or foreseen by Jehovah. And I believe that's the case because... Again, we're talking about how God is testing Abraham, uniquely calling him to go to Moriah, to this specific place... Because look, what did God see of Abraham when he offered his son? In verse 12, he says, Now I know that thou fearest God. What did God see there? He sees that Abraham did not withhold his only son. God saw. That's the idea of Moriah. Vision. Seeing. And what did Abraham see? Here's the word see in verse 13 as well. Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked and behold, there was a ram. And he offered that ram in place of his son. So Abraham saw. 
He saw the sacrifice. God saw. He saw Abraham's fear. And so Abraham called the name of that place Jehovah-Jireh. Now we often think of Jireh meaning only the Lord provides, and that's true. But that's the place of vision where Abraham saw the provision. Because look at the rest of the text. Jehovah-Jireh, as it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord it shall be seen. In the mount of the Lord you will have the vision of God's provision. And I pray that God will give you a vision of who Jesus Christ is and how much you need His death on the cross for your sins. See Jesus Christ and His love for you. That God gave His only begotten Son and then provided no sacrifice in His place, but Jesus went all the way to death for us and has shown His love for us in the ultimate Mount of Moriah, Mount Calvary, and has shown His love and provision. And lastly, I'll just say God tests us inexplicably. Inexplicably. Now, I've mentioned this, but the word burnt offering is used throughout this passage of Scripture as well. It's referenced first in verse 2. He says, Offer him therefore a burnt offering upon one of the mountains, which I will tell thee of. A burnt offering was the burning of the entire animal, representing the full surrender of the worshiper entirely to God. A burnt offering was the entire sacrifice consumed. Offer him therefore a burnt offering. And if you follow this down, you'll see burnt offering referenced in verse 3. He claved the wood for the burnt offering. You'll see it in verse 7, where, where Isaac says, where's the lamb for the burnt offering? You'll see it in verse 8. God will provide Himself a lamb for a burnt offering. And then you'll see it in verse 13. He offered the ram in the place of Isaac for a burnt offering. I find it very amazing that the word burnt offering is used over and over and over again here. We talk about repetition of words. Very important. But this is a baffling, inexplicable event in Abraham's life, right? How could you explain this? What? Offer my son as a burnt offering? So let me just make a few points. God's Word condemns child sacrifice. We know that. But those laws were not yet written when God told Abraham to do this. So God was not breaking His Word, actually, in asking Abraham to make the sacrifice. God had not written it yet for man. And I have the verses. I put them in your notes, I believe. You could look up all those verses of child sacrifice. So Abraham lived long before God clearly put into writing that child sacrifice was declared sinful. And in fact, Abraham perhaps could have had the understanding of child sacrifice because the Canaanites were offering their firstborn sons on pagan altars. Perhaps Abraham could have thought if pagan deities which are non-existent, demand such love, is it, is it too much for the true God of heaven and earth to ask my son of me? Maybe he could have thought it that way. So, 
Those laws were not yet written. Now, I would like you to go to Hebrews chapter 11, please. Because the New Testament has important revelation to this story. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 17 and 18. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 17 and 18. So, notice what this says. By faith, Abraham, when he was tried, offered up Isaac. And he that had received the promises offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said that in Isaac shall thy seed be called. So that, that, that's a quote from Genesis 21. That in Isaac his seed would be called. So what's the point? The point is, is that Abraham had the promise of God that in Isaac his seed would be called. So Abraham knew what? That somehow, some way, what must happen to Isaac? He has to live. Because he hadn't had any children yet. So, whatever God is asking me to do, I can't explain it. I don't understand it. But I know God has promised me that Isaac will be the one who will bring forth the seed. And I just got to trust him. He knew that Isaac had to survive one way or the other. And if you read now in the next verse, in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 19, he accounted that God was able to raise him up, even from the dead, from whence also he received him in a figure. So here in the New Testament, we clearly see that the offering up of Isaac by Abraham is a clear type of the ultimate sacrifice of Jesus. But Abraham, in doing this, what was, his, what was he saying he believed? He believed that God, even if he took that knife, and he did take the knife, and he had it raised up, and it was only then that God stopped him. But if God didn't stop him, Abraham believed that that moment he took the knife, that God could raise up Isaac from the dead. And if we go back to Genesis 22, and we'll, con- we'll conclude, Abraham as well knew that God could provide a substitute lamb, which is what God did. Because when Abraham asked, where's the lamb for a burnt offering? Abraham said in Genesis chapter 22, verse 8, my son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. So they went, both of them, together. So, as we conclude today, God is going to test us. God tests us continually, unexpectedly, purposefully, clearly, heart-rendingly, uniquely, and inexplicably. But this climb up Mount Moriah points us to Jesus, doesn't it? We've already made that point. What a miraculous anticipation of Christ's sacrifice for us. All I could say is, hallelujah for the Bible. I mean, the Bible is so miraculous, man could not have written this. Believe the Bible. Believe God. 
complete his son. Whatever testing, even if he takes your son or your wife or your husband or your loved one, believe God. And as Jesus himself carried the cross, climbing up that other mountain, Mount Calvary, to die for our sins. And as I mentioned before, the Akedah, that Hebrew word for the binding of Isaac. Jesus Christ was bound to the cross for our sins. The ultimate Son was ultimately bound for our sins. And so... Today in our ABF, we talked about trials and testings. So I say this as we close. We ought to connect every trial and test in our life to the ultimate trial, to the great trial of Christ's sacrifice for us. And just as God worked out Christ's trial and ultimate death for His glory and our good, and our salvation, and our rescue, the ultimate rescue hero of the universe, Jesus Christ. He worked it out. He's going to work out every testing in our life as well. Whatever testing you're going through, connect it to Christ's great testing. And as Pastor Carmine quoted in the memory verse, and we looked at this verse in our ABF, let's close the service with it. And our men, if you can please prepare for our Lord's Supper, let's read it together. There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted. Above that ye are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it. And I just want to suggest the way to escape here. The way of escape is Jesus. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And He's the way of escape. And His cross. Whenever you're in a trial, go to the cross. And remember what Jesus did for you to show His undying love for you. And through that that testing, Jesus Christ and His grace is the ultimate way of escape. Let's stand together as we pray. I'm going to ask our musicians to come if you're able to play this song today. And we'll sing uh, two of the stanzas. It's your all on the altar. Father, thank You for this day. Thank You for Your love. Bless us now today. God, I pray that whatever testings You're putting us through, we would see You, Lord Jesus, and You would be our way of escape. Be our way of escape, Lord. Strengthen each heart today to follow You and to know that Your testings are in love and You call all of us to be living sacrifices. Not to be conformed to this world, but to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. As Paul said, 
I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your body a what, church? Living sacrifice. So put yourself on the altar today. And know that His grace is sufficient. His promises are enough. His power is infinite. And His provisions are unceasing. Through your trials, walk with Christ, who was crucified through the greatest trial and risen again. Hallelujah. Thank You, Lord, for the power of Your resurrection. Fill us today with Your Holy Spirit. Is there anyone here today who would say, Pastor Matt, pray for me. I'm going through a trial in my life. And... Pray that I will trust the Lord through this trial and know that God is going to bring me through even though I can't explain it and I don't understand it, but I know God is faithful and Jesus Christ is the way of escape for me through this trial. Can I see your hand today? Thank you. You may put your hands down. Is there anyone who would say, Pastor Matt, pray for me. I'm not saved. I need Jesus Christ as my Savior. Is there anyone at all today? Can I pray for you? Don't wait. If you're here today and you're not saved, I beg you, don't wait another day. Be saved today. These are days we don't know what's going to happen next. We need Jesus. We need Jesus. Trust Him. Call upon Him. Stop putting it off if you're not saved. Don't play with God. Don't trifle with the things of God with His love for you. How many of you say, Pastor, pray for me. I need Jesus Christ as my Savior. Is there anyone? Can I pray for you? I just, my heart is broken for you if you're not saved. That you call upon Him. He loves you. He wants you to be His. He created you for His glory. Come to Him today. Don't wait another minute if you're not saved. Sid.